0: Good morning and welcome to City Harbor Church, a safe place to find and follow Jesus. We're so glad that you are here this morning. You've got a handout that is uh, being distributed right now. We're going to get to a little bit later. Um, You can set it aside for the time being. This morning, I want to title the message, Launchpad. Now, you, you may or may not be familiar with what a launch pad is, so I have a picture on the screen of a, a recent one um, for the heavy Falcon rocket, thanks to Elon Musk, who took his private car up into space for some particular reason. You may have uh, seen um, videos online of uh, failed uh, rocket launches. You know, dads in the in out in a green space or the backyard, or you know, trying to launch a, a rocket they built for their kids, and, and, and that may have resulted in a wide variety of things. Catastrophic failure uh, certainly being um, a possibility. In uh, one thing that is um, often kind of missed when you go to set something up and maybe you 're a little bit pyro like me, and so like you get an opportunity to shoot fireworks off and I 'm um, sure a completely legal and safe way, you would never like have bottle rocket wars like I did or you know any things of that nature. But if you ever went to fire something off and you just set it in the grass or maybe on a part of the street with one of baltimore city 's favorite friends called a pothole. Um, It may not have had the stability that you desired, and so it may have shot in a direction that you did not intend. (laughs) Anyone ever had that experience? So one one of the things that we uh, learn from that, if if we learn, is that a a, a stable surface that is flat, perpendicular, if you will, but pointed in the direction that you want to go is important. So um, our our topic is Launchpad, pad. And we are in, uh, entering our final uh, three weeks uh, set aside for prayer and fasting, inviting us to start the year more focused on God than any, anything else, uh, responding to Jesus' words to seek first the kingdom of God, um, and in, inviting everyone to participate in whatever way that they are able, in whatever way between they and, and the Lord is important to them, uh, because it's uh fasting is a personal and private discipline. Uh, you may have been, uh, maybe you got the print book on the front end or you've been following online, uhm, at com, or you've been receiving the emails and you may have noticed that our prayer topics are, are not so much what you might have expected, but instead they're really, uh, there's a lot of Bible. Anyone ever notice that? There's a lot of Bible on this Prayer topics. Pastor Ben, I think, might have a problem with this Bible thing. Well, here's, here's one of the things that I, I've learned through experience, and I'm, I'm not always a quick learner. Frankly, I've got just enough Norwegian in me to be stubborn. Um, our scripture can be a launch pad for our prayer. Yes. We learn about who God is from scripture, we hear what God has said. From Scripture, we see how God has initiated relationship with us in Scripture. It's helpful for us to pray with Scripture as a starting point and a foundation. Now, it's important for you to to bear in mind that we are not recommending legalism or perfectionism. Jesus makes it very clear that God is a good father, better than any human father who loves us and cares about us in each season of life. And God certainly has not done all that he did through Jesus and creation and human history so that we would relate to him through legalism or a need to get it right every time. No, God wants us to relate to him through grace as a good father and as Good fathers do. God loves us in every season of our growth. I'm definitely not perfect, and I've definitely had stages where I would not be described as a great father, but even I didn't look at my kids as infants and say, what's the problem? Why aren't you walking and getting a job? I didn't do that. I loved my kids in their different season, right? Now, I'm thankful that as teenagers, they're not wearing diapers. I'm thankful for that. And so as a father, I do desire that they grow in a healthy way. And so I just, before we get into this, I just need to say, listen, God is not into perfectionism. That's not what this is about. And this is not about you comparing yourself to someone else that's never going to be helpful. Are you with me? It's not helpful. But what we are saying is we are inviting you into a next step. Wherever you are now, take a next step in this direction of following Jesus, and this is one of the things that is helpful to do. Uh, Some of you have heard me say before, if you really don't read your Bible, don't start by trying to read it, just touch it once a day. And some of you think I'm being sarcastic or just trying to be funny. Not so. I have found this to work. If you have an app on your phone, touch the app. If you have a physical Bible at home, touch the thing. Just try that. Just start touching it once a day. And so wherever you're at, take a next step. Does that make sense? Now, you might be thinking in this moment... Yeah, this is kind of interesting, but this kind of sounds like people have added on to the things that Jesus said and are taught in the Scripture, because I don't remember seeing that anywhere in the Scripture. Let's go to the Scripture. I want to go to Acts chapter 4. So after the halfway point, if you've got a physical Bible, and if you'd like to have one brought to you, just raise your hand. Someone will bring you um, a hard copy of the Bible. Um, After the halfway point, you get Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. And the book of Acts is written by Dr. Luke. And Dr. Luke says he made a careful investigation of the eyewitness accounts of Jesus, and then he compiled that. And that's what we have in what's called the Gospel of Luke. And then he takes the same approach in the book of Acts. The book of the Acts of the Apostles is a compilation of the eyewitness accounts of what occurred in that time. So Jesus has been put to death in Jerusalem, in the grave on the third day, resurrected. uh, And bear in mind, it went dark in the middle of the day. There was an earthquake. There were other people that were also resurrected that were walking around that then went on to live a long life that had been dead. This is like a notable historical event that occurred, which is also written about in other historical books outside of the Bible that are not from a Christian agenda perspective. A notable event has occurred, and then Jesus has walked around for 40 days. Appearing to more than 500 people who gave testimony that they saw him alive. That's what's happened before this. And then we have the disciples, they follow Jesus' instruction, they pray in unity, and they wait for the Holy Spirit. And God the Holy Spirit's up. Holy Spirit shows up in dramatic fashion in Acts chapter 2, and now we have a a church of believers in the city of Jerusalem to the multiple thousands. We have thousands of people that are believers in Jesus. Then we have in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John go to the temple, and they see a man who is unable to walk. And they pray, and through the power of Jesus, he is healed, and he is able to walk. And just real quick, what they say when they're questioned on this in Acts 3, verse 16, "...through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes." Now, Peter's not one to pull the punches or hide the um, the important stuff. And so in verse 19, he says, Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will, he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. So Peter is saying, listen, the healing is not the point. Jesus, the resurrected one as your Messiah is the point and change in your life as a result is the point specific. Now they were talking about this publicly and there were haters. Now you all look so nice. I'm sure none of you have ever had a hater. I've had a few with good reason the Jewish council, and in particular the Sadducees, were not happy about this. They grab Peter and John, get them indoors, start to question them, and throw them in jail. Now, it's a political problem because right now there's well over 5,000 Jesus believers, and so This is a big deal. Like, everybody knows what's going on. There are thousands of people know that Peter and John have been locked up. So we see an account that Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 4, verse 8, starts to speak. Starts to speak to what has happened and why it happened. And we see in verse 10, let me clearly state to all of you, to all people of Israel, that he was healed by the powerful name, of Jesus Christ the Nazarene the man you crucified but whom God raised for the dead verse 12 there is salvation in no one else god has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved Now well, the members of the council they're amazed and they're ticked off because in particular there is a political party here that doesn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. They're called the Sadducees. That's why they were sad. You see, They didn't believe you could be raised from the dead. The problem is, verse 14, they could see the man who had been healed standing right there. So there was nothing they could say. So they put Peter and John off in another room so that they could talk. Verse 17, to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them to not speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. This identity of Jesus as Messiah is very important. Check this now, verse 19. But Peter and John replied, do you think God, now this is, they're talking to the people that had thrown them in jail. Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. The council threatened them further, but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. Verse 23, watch this now. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer. There's unity in prayer. Now watch this. This is a quotation from part of their prayer meeting. O Sovereign Lord, Creator of heaven and earth. They're following this Jesus pattern in the Lord's Prayer we just used. The sea and everything in them, the creator of everything we see. You spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant. And they quote Psalm chapter 2 verses 1 and 2. Why are the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord, against His Messiah. They quoted Psalm 2, verses 1 through 2 in their prayer. Dr. Luke's account continues, verse 27. In fact, this happened here. This is a part of their prayer after the quotation of Scripture. This happened here in this very city. For Herod Antipas and Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. They're praying to God the Father. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Watch this now, 32. All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. Now, did you notice God answered their prayer and it started with an earthquake? Whoa! Whoa! Okay, I think I was, maybe I was, maybe that didn't affect you the way it affected me. If I was in a prayer meeting and someone asked God for something and an earthquake happened and then what we asked for transpired, it would be, whoa. (laughs) Hello? This is an important part of the story. God answered their prayer. They were being opposed. They were being threatened. They say, God, we don't know what to do, but here's what we believe about you because, and they quote Psalm 2 verses 1 through 2. That's a powerful prayer. Right? Now, two weeks ago, we looked at the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus responds to the disciples' request, Hey, Jesus, help us learn how to pray. He says, our Father who art in heaven, or if it were translated today, Daddy God, up there. Let your name be kept holy in me. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. But you may not have noticed this, but the Psalms were Jesus' prayer book and every phrase of the Lord's prayer can be traced to the Psalms. Even in the Lord's Prayer that He gives to the disciples, Jesus is quoting the Scripture. Jesus teaches, He gives them a simple, a very simplified version. He gives them a simplified version because He Himself learned to pray through the Scripture. Now this is the same Jesus who is present at creation, so imagine this. this is kind of trippy when you think about it. Jesus was there when God said, let there be light. Right? Jesus knows the speed of light and whether or not God can ratchet it up or turn it down. So I just heard a whole scientific thing about the speed of light this week, so I'm not going to chew up time with that today, but it's kind of exciting to me. It's kind of interesting. Jesus saw that. And then Jesus saw every time God the Holy Spirit came down to inspire the writings of Scripture. Hundreds of authors over thousands of years. Jesus saw the Word of God. In fact, if we take it literally, Jesus John's revelation in the Gospel of John, Jesus is the Logos, the living Word. It is quite possible that God the Father, when He spoke through the Holy Spirit, was actually speaking Jesus. And it was actually the voice of Jesus that they heard in their ears. Jesus was there all the way through, before He was ever born. And here is Jesus, all this time, learning the Word of God, learning the way that God phrased it, learning the way that God revealed it. And so when Jesus gives Him the Lord's Prayer, what does He do? He pulls from the Psalms. Every phrase can be traced from the Psalms. Pastor Ben, you're kind of intense and I don't really know if this is true. Okay, so let's look at this. Jesus is quoted in John chapter 15, verses 7 through 8. And listen, I've heard plenty of messages and plenty of people talk about Peter and John healing the lame man and the Lord's Prayer and even this passage right here, but missing the point of power. Praying with Scripture. As your launch pad. What does Jesus say? If you remain in me. And my words remain in you. You may ask anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Now there's a whole lot here. Way more than I have time to unpack here now in this moment. But you, we must, if we just take the plain, simple truth of scripture, even only engaging human logic we must believe that the words of Jesus were important that Jesus does not ask us to pray out of context of a personal relationship not once does God call us to blind faith But instead, over the centuries, God has revealed himself and given us an ability to read about him, to learn about his thoughts and his emotions and his feelings and his decision making. And then God calls us to respond to him based on his character as having been examined and tested and questioned and revealed through the centuries. So Jesus is in this place inviting us into a personal context relationship that is not blind. Love is not blind, that's foolishness. God knows everything about you and still he loves you. I mean, I love you because you're beautiful, you know. You know what I'm saying, right? And the love that God invites you to respond to him with, God does not invite you to respond to him blindly. God invites you to test Him, to examine Him. Other passages of Scripture. Now, I know that these words of Christ on the screen are also a little bit difficult. I highly recommend a classic book, a small book, which you can get for free or a buck at most, from Andrew Murray called With Christ in the School of Prayer. About learning about prayer and these things, and why don't I get what I ask for? These are really important questions, not our topic at the moment this morning. Listen, our scripture can be a launch pad for prayer. It's a starting point, a foundation for a personal relationship context, for what we would say to God and what we can expect from God. Such as praying through the name of God, one of the things that we did this past week in the posts that we've been sending out. And so you can pray like this. God, I know that Abraham found you to be the God who provides. Genesis 22, 13 through 14, Jehovah Jireh, our provider, that's where we get that. I know that Abraham found you to be the God who provides. And so now I ask you, Jehovah Jireh, to provide for me. I'm using the scripture as a launch pad and a context for something that we've observed about God already and using what we talked about a couple weeks ago, meditating on it, testing it, questioning it, thinking about it before we pray. So here's another example, an example that I really love and and wish I had more time to unpack this morning. In Nehemiah chapter 9 verses 17 through 18, we see the Levites lead the people in a prayer confessing their sin and asking for forgiveness based on the way that God had described himself to Moses in Exodus chapter 34 and verse 6. I wish I had time to read all this because it's beautiful. It's really helpful. God had revealed, had described himself. God came down. God used his voice. Moses heard the voice of God. Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. That's when God comes down. I am. I am Yahweh. And this is what I'm like. And God describes himself as a God who is gracious and merciful. Slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Now in the story, in Nehemiah chapter 9, verses 17 through 18, they applied that scripture to their own specific context in their prayer request to God for forgiveness of their sin. And so it's appropriate for us to pray this way. God, you said you were slow to anger, so please forgive me. God, you said you are gracious and merciful and abounding in steadfast love. So forgive me. That's appropriate for us. Daniel, who we've talked a little bit about in this invitation to pray three times a day. Daniel also used this practice in this prayer. Daniel chapter 9, verse 18. We make this plea, not because we deserve help, but because of your mercy, O God. It is right. It is our reasonable response. It is appropriate for us to talk to God based on what He has said about Himself. Now, this practice has a lot of benefits, but one of the great benefits is that this help will help you pray based on truth and avoid prayer based on fantasy, fooling yourself. God, I believe you're never going to tempt me beyond what I can handle. Well, Does the book really say that? God, I love the ravens, so the sky is purple. Oh, wow. It is easy to pray based on fantasy and then get frustrated with God and bitter against God and pray not based on who God has said He would be or what God said He would do. That's good. Yeah. You know, Rebecca and I have been married for more than 20 years. And... uh um, She's not a liar. She's a truth teller and a promise keeper. But life comes at you fast. There's a lot of things going on. And you can have a misunderstanding. And I've learned that you can relate to somebody else as though they are something they are not. Hello? And that leads us where? Frustration, anger at a minimum. Right? But when we relate based on reality, see, our perceived reality becomes reality, but it's not actually reality. Sorry, I just get like, whoa, too existential. Dr. Strange on you, like a little too... Right? This practice will help you pray not based on fantasy but based on reality all right let's just keep moving choosing to meditate on the scripture before prayer is helpful with inspiring true passion the scripture may lead you to wonder at the supernatural majesty of god The Scripture may lead you to repentance of sin and receiving forgiveness. The Scripture may lead you to asking God for help or change in our broken world. The Scripture may lead you to thanksgiving for God's provision. Thinking through what the Scripture is saying and letting your whole person interact with it will bring you to a place of authentic conversation with God. There's a life-changing power that's available here. Joy and peace will be a benefit. Now, just a minute, we're going to look at the scriptures on the handout that you have in your hand. And if you don't have a handout, please make sure you get one. But I like, Kevin DeYoung refers to this, the three R's that you see on the screen in this practice. The three R's that you see in the screen are just kind of an abbreviation for how you can respond to any scripture in the Bible and pray through it. And what we see on the screen, the three R's are rejoice, repent, and request. So even what we see in the Acts chapter 4 story, they're threatened, they've already been in prison, they've already been beaten, they're already being publicly opposed. And how do they start their prayer before they even get to the Psalm 2? They praise God because they're saying, God, you're our creator. Now that's kind of a weird way to start if they're just praying on their experiences. Okay. Folks, don't look at your paper. Look at me. In the Acts chapter 4 story, they start with praising God as their creator. They start with rejoicing. Because the scripture says that in the beginning, God created. God said, let there be light, and there was light. They had reason to believe. And we a couple weeks ago, we read in Psalm 86 about God, the creator, right? They started with rejoicing. Right? And in that... Nehemiah chapter 9 story, we see what do they do? They use the scripture as a launch pad to repent of their sin. And then they actually use Psalm 2, 1 through 2 to kind of make fun of their enemies. If we're honest. They said, look at what you what you predicted in Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. It is foolishness for the nations of the world to oppose your Messiah. And they tried it, God. So what are they doing? In their prayer, they're building a case for God. Before they make that, their request. They rejoice in God as their creator. They understand the principle of repentance. But listen, they're saying like, this world is not right. They make a request for change. And then the earthquake hits and their prayer is answered. If that doesn't give you cause to respond to this and say, oh, hello, this is a lesson worth responding to, I'm not really sure what's going on between your ears. Now, if you want to reflect on that, today's post, which if I have your email address is in your email today or on, our, on the web, is about the power of the Scripture. And one of the things that we see, the longest chapter in the Bible is Psalm 119, which Hebrew 12-year-old boys still quote at their bar mitzvah in talking about how sweet the Word of God is to the taste. And I think this is really helpful so that we don't fall into perfectionism, but instead have a freedom that God our Father loves us in whatever way we cry out to Him. This is just simply an invitation to grow, to take next steps. And if you want a little bit more encouragement on that, Galatians chapter 4, verses 5 through 6. The Spirit shows us that we are not merely God's subjects, but we are His children. So we can grow into using our Scripture as a context for our personal relationship with God, which we see in Psalm 119. And maybe you've not ever thought of it this way. But this phrase is actually talking about growing in this personal relationship context, using the scripture as a prayer book. It's actually what this is talking about. Your word is a light unto my feet, a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path you want to read a little bit more today, Psalm 119 verses 49 through 56 will really help you with that. John says this, 1 John chapter 5 verse 14, we are confident that He hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases Him. How do I know what pleases Him? It's right here. It's right here. Christianity is not a superstition. And unfortunately, prayer for a lot of folks is like rubbing the lamp for the genie. It's a transactional relationship for a lot of folks. And listen, your patient, loving father is okay with however you come to him at the beginning. But he wants to invite you into growth, invite you into maturity. And that includes getting to know him. What's He like? What does He think? And what happens when it's about love on the inside of you is that you want to please Him from a healthy perspective, understanding that that's not going to change His love for you. It's not going to change your salvation. He's already offered it to you, right? As we've discussed, it's not to earn more. It's just about that love relationship. When I use scripture as a launch pad for my prayer, I will see change. Now, just a few practical suggestions. So, read our scriptures. And I would encourage you this week to call them our scriptures. I don't know that the Holy Bible is the most inviting term. I know you didn't expect me to say that today. They're a gift to you. Jesus said a prayer, John 17, for all who would ever believe in him. Jesus prays for you. This revealed word of God, they're our scriptures. Read our scriptures. Meditate on them. Think about it. Ask questions. Test them. Pull them apart. Put them to use. Let it engage with every aspect of who you are. Use them as a starting point and context for our prayer. As we remember the birthday of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., we would do well to remember this quote. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. God loves you. This... Is a gift to be helpful. That's the purpose. That's the purpose. So the card you have in your hand has what started out as trying to focus on short prayers. 19 prayers from Scripture for 2019 that you can use as a launch pad for your prayer time. I'd love to invite the worship team to come at this time. We're going to go into a time of worship. Wherever you're at today, I invite you to receive the love of God. And during our time of worship and communion and prayer, I would invite you to pray with the Scripture being a launchpad for you. Later on today, as we spend time together, I'd invite you to tell a story with somebody else about how you found a Scripture to be a launchpad for your prayer, to be helpful. Lord, I thank You God, that you love us. I thank you, God, that you care about us. Lord, that you are for us. You're our creator and you're our redeemer. I thank you, Lord, that our scripture is a a gift. It's a gift from you to be helpful in this life. Not something to be intimidated by, but something to be tested, to be tried, to be experimented with, to be for us to jump in, an invitation for us to jump into it to find help in our relationship with you in our scriptures. God, when we're honest, it's difficult. God, it's when we're honest, it's a whole lot easier to go through life prayerless. And in that state, our spirits are suffocating. We get frustrated because the scriptures can seem complex, difficult. Lord, I ask that you would help us to hear the invitation into this relationship with you. Forgive us for the times when we've not taken the steps you want us to. And I thank you that your forgiveness comes quickly. I thank you that you're not into us trying to be legalistic and perfectionist and get everything exactly right, but that you love us in every state that we are in thank you, Lord, for who you are, for all that you've done, that you hear us as we come to you today. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's enjoy worship.